Companionship is what makes every journey enjoyable. Today, we continue our journey with Jesus. Join Scott Pauley as we make brief stops in the Gospel according to Mark. We trust you will enjoy the journey. It's another Sabbath, and Jesus is about to have conflict again with the religious leaders on a holy day. Uh, not because of him, but because of them. You see, if there's, if there's enmity between us and God, it's never God's fault, it's always ours. He's always the same, and he's always holy and right. We get our attitudes out of sorts. The Bible says in Mark chapter 3, verse 1, And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill? But they held their peace. And may I pause our reading just a moment and point out to you that Jesus turned the questions around to them. Remember in Mark chapter 2, they keep firing questions at him. Well, now he answers their questions with a question, and a question they could not answer. Uh, was it proper to do good on the Sabbath day, or to do evil? We're taught in Scripture that him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And so he basically backs them into a corner. The Bible says in verse 5, And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Could I point out to you that in this context of this amazing miracle, Jesus is actually angry. The Bible says you can be angry and sin not. And who's he angry with? He's not angry with the withered uh, hand the man has with the need. He's not angry with uh, the multitudes that are about to press on him. He's angry with the religious leaders. In fact, as you read the gospel records, you're going to find that Jesus reserved his harshest words for religious people. And why? Because the Bible says in verse 5, of the hardness of their hearts. Verse 6 proves their hardness. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Notice the stark contrast. He's giving life, they're giving death. But Jesus, verse 7, withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Idumea, and from beyond Jordan, and they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him, as many as had plagues. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. Now, in the opening verses of Mark chapter 3, there are three groups of people connected to Jesus' work. The Lord's at work. And may I remind you that the same Lord that was working in Mark 3 is working today. He's working in our world. He's working in your life, in your family, in your church. And there are always these same three groups connected to Christ's work. Number one, there are those who are the recipients. I mean by that those who are in, in need of help, being ministered to, hurting people. These are represented first by the man with a withered hand. 
Look at this man with one hand crippled up and withered. And in a moment with Jesus, it is made whole as the other. Oh, my friend, what a picture of our withered world. Sin has such a withering effect on us, doesn't it? It withers the soul. But one word from Christ makes it whole again. We live in a weak, wounded world, a world filled with withered souls, people that need Jesus Christ. They need to be ministered to. And it's not just Him. Oh, no, on His heels, the Bible says there's a great multitude that comes. They're thronging Him with all kinds of needs. And the greatest of them are the spiritual needs. The Bible talks here about the unclean spirits. What a, what a picture of our world. There are people all around you today that need the message of Jesus Christ that need the grace of the Lord and the love of God, that need your Christ. They need to be recipients of His truth and His mercy. There's a second group, and these are the spectators. Who are the spectators? They're the Pharisees. As a matter of fact, the Bible plainly says in verse 2, and they watched Him. They're on the sidelines. Now, they're not participating. They're not willing for Him to minister to them. They're just watching. They're spectators. I tell you, my friend, I'm afraid that in too many churches uh, we have created a spectator environment. My, my dear brother, my dear sister, if you truly know the Lord Jesus and if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, get off the bench and get in the game. Uh, how are you engaged in the wonderful work of the Lord? The Bible says we're to be laborers together with God. It was the martyred missionary Jim Elliott that once said, we are conscientious objectors, religious pacifists, spectators. The world cannot hate us. We are too much like their own. Oh, that God would make us dangerous. Oh, my friend, there are too many people that look religious, but they're just spectators. There's none of the power of God. But then that brings us to the third group, the group that we're going to be introduced to later in the same chapter, and these are the participants. Who are they? The Bible speaks repeatedly here about the disciples. The disciples were with him when he entered into that synagogue. In verse 7, Jesus took those disciples and withdrew to the sea. And then the Bible says in verse 9, Jesus begins to speak to his disciples. They're participants. They're there when he heals. They're there when he touches those with plagues. They're there when he casts out the unclean spirits. And this is not the end. In fact, this chapter marks the beginning of their public ministry with him. We'll see that shortly. But I want to point something out to you today, and it is this. In a sense, we've all been the man with the withered hand. Now, there was a day all of us needed the touch from Jesus. Aren't you glad Christ came to you? Aren't you glad that the Lord overcame every obstacle uh, to save you and to make you whole? Well, if you've been ministered unto, now you should minister. If you've been a recipient of the grace of God, now you should be a channel of the grace of God. Uh, it shouldn't just flow into you, it should flow through you. So we've all been the man with the withered hand. We all too often have been the Pharisees, simply watching, simply observing. Uh, sometimes even in religious environments in churches, uh, people get critical of the pastor, critical of Christian workers, critical of people trying to witness and bring people to the Lord and, and uh, how they're doing it and that type of thing. But the reality is, if you're on the bench and not participating at all, you should never open your mouth. Because God did not call His disciples to simply sit. When He said to them in another place, Occupy till I come, He did not mean occupy a church pew. He meant be busy for the Lord. Be engaged in the work of the Lord. 
And so if we've all been the man with a withered hand, and we all too often have been the Pharisees, I want to challenge you today to join the ranks, the army of the participants. The Lord is looking for disciples. He's looking for those who come along with Him. Remember earlier in this book He said, Follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. You see, when you begin to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, He begins to make you into what He wants you to be. He begins to shape your life. You become more like the Lord Jesus. You get a passion and a heart for withered hearts and for needy souls all around you. He didn't call disciples to simply sit. He called them to serve. And so I want to challenge you today to find your place of service in your local church and in the wonderful work of the Lord. Find your place today in getting the message of Jesus Christ to some needy soul around you. Thank you for traveling with us through God's Word. We would love to hear from you and share additional resources for enjoying the journey. Visit us online at scottpauley.org. May God bless you as you walk with Christ today. Thank you.